Theology of the Body Institute, this is the Ask Christopher West Podcast. Hi, podcast listeners. Well, hello, dear. (laughs) (laughs) Who knows that movie reference? You can let us know. We like to imitate uh, lines from movies in our household. <laughs> it's a regular thing. Yes. I was not planning on doing that. It just, <laughs> just spontaneously bubbled up. Yeah. I think sometimes it comes out in podcast episodes uh, at other times, too. Some of our listeners might recognize some of Nacho Libre and some of your answers. Indeed. If it's, <laughs> yes, if it's going to be a movie quote, like there's 80% chance it's going to be Nacho Libre. <laughs> flowing out of my mouth. Although I have decreased my nacho quote. Have you noticed this? Like in the last six months, no. I'm not quoting nacho as no, much. No, tell me why. Because I think I started getting the eye rolls from our kids. <laughs> <laughs> they don't want nacho I quotes think, anymore. I think, like, when did nacho come out? 2006. So how many years ago was that? Like 15 or 16? 16, 16, I think, yeah, I think my kids are like 16 years worth of daily nacho quotes oh, you're exaggerating <laughs> almost i was getting the eye roll and okay. i don't know i just you know when you get the eye roll from your kids you're like okay maybe i should retire that <laughs> <laughs> some other things that we love to quote we just watched recently uh the scarlet oh, pimpernel yes. if you haven't seen the 1982 uh, what I don't even know what was it a BBC production? Uh, I don't know where it came from. I don't either. But anyway, look, you can watch it on Amazon. Uh, Scarlet Pimpernel, 1982, with um, who's the woman with two different colors? Jane Seymour. Jane Seymour, and is that right? No. Yeah, Jane Seymour. Yeah, that's right. That's the name of one of Henry VIII's wives. Is that also Jane her name? Seymour. Yeah. Is it? Are you sure? <laughs> We're so confused. No, that's not a Henry VIII wife. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're thinking. Okay, whatever. Some other James. Somebody knows we're confused out there. Or maybe I'm. Is that a Henry VIII wife? Okay, I'm looking it up right now. You're gonna look it up. Should I say what other movies we quote in the no, meantime? Talk, talk more about Scarlet, Scarlet Pimpernel. Pimpernel. Why like the Scarlet Pimpernel? Yes. So the first time I saw it was after I met you because your family loved it. And I just remembered the joy of watching it together. And it's it's um, based on a novel um, about the French Revolution and about some British people seeking to rescue some of the uh, French nobility who were headed to the guillotine during the French Revolution. But it's it's very creative, very funny and very inspiring inspiring without being you know just you can have fun and be inspired at the same time jane seymour is one of henry the eighth's wives okay i was right about that and who's the actress in (laughs) 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 all right who who who, what what's the what's her name Uh, we have it wrong are we sure yeah okay let's see so the same actress who was Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman in that TV series. I am embarrassed. Her name is Jane Seymour. Are you serious? Yes. <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> same name. Same name. Okay, that's good. Neither one of us was wrong there. How about how often does that happen? Not very often. No. Another actor from uh, the '82 Scarlet Pimpernel is Ian McKellen, who played Gandalf. Right. In in the Lord, of, Lord the of the Rings, and I remember when I first saw Lord of the Rings. When when was that? Like two thousand one or two or whenever yeah. it came out I'm, it was bugging the heck out of me like who is he i know that actor how yeah. do i know him and then you figured it out i figured it out um, it was Scarlet for like now. the first hour of the movie it was troubling me deeply <laughs> till i finally figured it out anyway go check out scarlet pimpernel it's it's kind of dated um, well of course yeah it's 1982 and the production quality is not all that great but the characters are so fun yeah it's it's a great watch Give me a quote. Fire, damn you, fire. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. If anybody knows what I'm talking about, that's like the best line in the whole thing. <laughs> the pleasure, I can assure you, is all mine. Indeed. Indeed. Okay. Moving you, right along. Do you have any updates? We have some exciting courses this summer. Okay. Uh, the TOB1 is sold out. That's at the end of June. If you want to get on the waiting list for that, Mm -hmm. Please do. Um, I will be teaching, co-teaching with our dear friend uh, of many, many years and colleague, Jeanette Clark, who is the wife of Jason Clark, who is the executive director of the TOB Institute. Jeanette and I studied together at the John Paul II Institute back in the 90s. We've been friends ever since. Uh, she and I are teaching Love and Responsibility in July check out the link in the show notes for for those dates and if you want to register for that i'm really really excited about teaching this course I, i've never taught this one before uh, i've spent the last six months diving uh, more deeply into love and responsibility and writing the study guide and i'm really really excited to, to teach this one and then bill dunahy is going to be teaching the course on the writings of John Paul II on sex, gender, marriage, and family. Uh, those are covering all the documents that are above and beyond the theology of the body, like Letter to Families, Molieris Dignitatem, on the Dignity and Vocation of Women, uh, Familiaris Consortio, and some other great stuff. So check out our course schedule. We have a full lineup this summer. We'd love for you to come to Black Rock Retreat Center here in beautiful Amish country, PA. Now it's time for our first question from a patron. Very good. Mark has this question. Hello, Mark. I enjoy listening to this podcast. I have really gained so many insights and it has made me a more joyful person. Oh, that's, that's makes me a more joyful person to hear that it makes you a more joyful person. I like that comment. However, I feel guilty sometimes because I would rather listen to this podcast than pray. I know I should pray often, but I get more out of this podcast than I do when I pray. Am I doing something wrong? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you are, if, you're, if, you're, if you are getting more out of this podcast than you're getting out of prayer, something is not correct, Mark. Let's see. Let's see if in listening to this episode of your of our podcast, maybe it'll actually, I don't know, help you in your prayer. Let's see what happens. Is there more <laughs> to the question? That was it. Okay. Mark, I I thought I was just interrupting my wife in a kind of comic way, but that was the end of the question. Uh Mark, 
Bless you, brother. I'm I'm so glad that you get so much out of this podcast. And let me put it this way, when you're being enriched by anything, that can be an aid to prayer. Uh, I, I wish maybe you had given a few more details about what your struggles are in prayer or why prayer might seem dry or unfruitful to you. Uh, I'll just share some experiences from my own life here in terms of how I have grown in prayer, and I need, we all need, continually to grow in prayer. When I was first getting to know my spiritual director, this was almost 18 years ago, um, he was just asking about my prayer life. You know, what are what's your prayer life like? What are your, you know, blessings in prayer? What are some of the struggles in prayer or distractions in prayer? And we had a conversation on this day that changed my life and changed my understanding of prayer and showed me that I had a really truncated, and I would even say a, a hyper-pietized, understanding of prayer that made my experience of prayer at the time not very exciting. So when he asked me about distractions in prayer, I, I said, well, I'll tell you right away, the biggest distraction I get in prayer is I go to pray, I'm trying to listen, and I start hearing songs, and I'll see scenes from movies in my head. And Father got a a big smile on his face, Father Jim, and um, <laughs> he said, well, you think those are distractions? And I said, well, well, yeah, I'm like hearing Springsteen and Bono in my head, or I'm seeing scenes from Star Wars or Rocky. And he said, well, are, are these movies and is that music important to your heart? I said, well, yeah, it's the stuff I grew up on. It's just in my blood. He said, well, did you ever think that the Lord might be using the things that are important to you to speak to your heart? I said, no, never, never dawned on me once. I just thought this was a distraction. He said, the Lord knows the language of your heart. So, Mark, this is what I want to say to you. This is what changed my prayer life 18 years ago. And man, has it made a huge difference. Mark, I'm going to say to you what Father Jim said to me. The Lord knows the language of your heart, and he's going to speak to you in the language of your heart. But that, that calls for us to get in touch with that language. Uh, so I'm going to encourage you, Mark, and I'm going to encourage all our listeners here are some things that can help you get in touch with the language of your heart. What are the stories that have blessed you? What are the songs that have blessed you? Things that might not mean anything to anybody else. Even songs that you might be embarrassed to, to tell somebody else that's a song that really blesses me. In fact, I'm going to go right there. I'm going to go right there right now. What is a song, Mark, that you secretly love? that you're kind of embarrassed to share with anybody else. The reason you're embarrassed to share it with anybody else is because that's a window into your heart that is so personal that putting it out in the open makes you feel really vulnerable and, and even threatened because it's so dear and tender to you. Well, guess what? Because it's dear and tender to you, it's dear and tender 
to the Lord. Realizing that we are known, realizing that the things that bless us at the natural level, the Lord can and does use to bless us at a supernatural level. That is a, that is a giant leap into a deeper prayer life where we're getting in touch with the things of our heart. We're getting in touch with the thirsts and yearnings of our heart. The Catechism says this, prayer, whether we realize it or not, is where God's thirst meets our thirst. And God's thirst for us always comes first. Remember the story of the woman at the well. Jesus is the first one to say, give me a drink. If we are feeling this thirst for something, that thirst, whether we know it or not, is prayer. And that thirst is the certainty that we are also being thirsted after. When God's thirst meets our thirst and our thirst meets God's thirst, that's prayer. I'm going to share something that John Paul II says in his retreat, God is Beauty, which uh, the Theology of the Body Institute has recently published for the first time in English. And I urge you, if you don't already have a copy of it, please to get yourself a copy of it. We'll have a link in the show notes. But in there, he says, in our prayer lives, we're, we're often just presenting our, our issues, our struggles, our needs to the Lord. And, and that's fine, and that's good. That's part of prayer. But in this retreat, John Paul II says, maybe we don't need to say so much to the Lord. Maybe we can trust that He already knows our needs before we ask for them. Doesn't mean we don't present them to the Lord. Of course, that's part of prayer. But, but here John Paul II is saying, instead of just talking to God in your prayer, we also have to listen. We have to listen to what He's saying to us. And Mark, he's going to speak to you the language of your heart. When my spiritual director, almost 18 years ago, invited me, he said, next time you're in prayer and you hear a song or you see a scene from a movie in your mind, pay attention. Maybe the Lord's speaking to you. Pay attention to the lyrics. Pay attention to the melody. Pay attention to the memory in your life that that song is connected to. Pay attention to the characters in, in the scene of that movie that's coming to your mind. Mark, I cannot tell you, taking that advice from my spiritual director 18 years ago opened up a whole new world to me. For years and years, the Lord was speaking to me in the language of my own heart but because of some hyper-pious notion of what prayer was supposed to be, I had no sense that God loved me that way, that He would speak my own language and, and reach me in ways that let me know that I'm known. Uh, and it has been a, an invaluable wealth of 
experience for me in prayer in, in learning how to listen to what heaven is saying back to me. Uh, so I, I invite you into those places in your heart, Mark, where your deepest thirsts are, where your deepest longings are, and where art has blessed you. Uh, I'm not saying this is the only way God communicates. It's it's not at all. But I know in, in my experience uh, and in the experience of so many other people, this, this has been a real key to a much more vibrant, much more um, interactive, much more intimate life of, of prayer. Wendy, what are your thoughts here? I just want to invite Mark to take TOV1. I think, you know, in um, one of the Pope's documents, the one before the start of the new millennium, he talked about needing to be schools of prayer. Yes, and yes. I feel like TOV1 in all it's covering, you're learning so much about the content of the theology of the body, but it's all being applied to our growth in prayer. And you're sharing examples from your personal prayer life. I feel like it is a school of prayer that could be just so beneficial for Mark if he's able to come to a TOB one, either in person or online. It would be a huge blessing to him. Yes. Well, there's the invitation, Mark. And, mm -hmm. and Mark also take advantage of the retreats that we have offered our patrons on yeah. your patron website. Uh, those retreats are also schools of prayer. So, so dive into those resources. Thank you so much for being a patron of this work. We're so grateful. We cannot do this work. We cannot fulfill our mission without patrons like you who are thoughtful enough to support us in this mission. Thank you so much. Yes, thank you. Our next question is from an anonymous listener. I'm dating a good, godly man whom I love dearly. I'm so thankful to God for him in my life. But I'm concerned about how he views women. He has told me he works with women he's been sexually attracted to. And I know he follows them on social media. He claims that he lusts after other women less now that he's with me. I don't know how to take that. I wonder about the impact of social media on our relationship. In my heart, I know that if we get married, I want to feel like I will be enough. Bless you, dear listener. Bless you. Bless you. These are such tender, tender places in your heart. And you are right to be concerned. Uh, if I may, I'd like to address... The, the final point first, and then <clears throat> talk about lust and why it's so damaging and painful in a relationship. But that final point you made, can you read it again? I want, I want to be enough, she said. How did she say In it? my heart, I know that if we get married, I want to feel like I will be enough. I want to feel like I will be enough. There's a, a beautiful desire there, and there's something I want to just gently express a little caution I have about that. The beautiful part of that is you want to be loved. You, you, you want to be loved exclusively. You, you want to be loved as your indispensable, irreplaceable, unrepeatable self. And if that's what you mean by enough, 
then that's a that's a beautiful holy desire to be loved in that exclusive way uh, marital love calls for that exclusivity it does and that fidelity and that is sacred and right and true and good but there's something deeper going on here too that we have to look at and every married person has to reckon with this that the desire that the human heart has for love can never ultimately be fulfilled by another human being and in this sense no other human being is enough for another human being i'm thinking here of the scripture where philip says to jesus show us the father and that will be enough for us there it is the only thing that is enough for us is the love of god that's the only thing ultimately that can fulfill the hunger of the heart for love the best a husband or a wife can be is a sacrament of that ultimate love and and that's not to diminish human love in any way that's to raise human love to the highest heights imaginable and possible but without turning human love into an idol so that i just I, i'm not certain that you're you're wanting to make yourself an idol in some man's life i i can't assert that at all but i do know it's a human tendency in our fallenness to get this wrong to to expect a human relationship to do what only relationship with God can do. So I just wanted to say that. And then I want to affirm your concern that a man who is openly lusting after other women will, will inevitably be failing to love you rightly. And I think you sense that in your spirit, and it is raising appropriate concern and caution. Let me also throw this into the mix, that there are positive signs that he said to you, and, and I understand you say, I don't know how to take this, uh, but I, I understand that. But I also want to point out that things are moving in a good direction, because when you learn to love a woman, and it sounds like he's learning to love you, it's going to point out to a man's heart, as he's learning to love a woman rightly, wow, I'm not behaving rightly in these other situations where I'm lusting after these women, uh, following them on social media, etc. So it seems to me there, there's a movement in his heart in the right direction. I want to recognize that. I want to affirm that, and I, I want to hold out hope to you. Uh, that, that there does seem reason to hope here, but also reason for concern. If he were justifying his lustful approach to these other women, if he were saying, there's no big deal, you don't have any reason to be concerned, this is just the way men think, men will be men, I would say, uh, no, no, this is, this is a major problem. I would not recommend you pursue that relationship. If he is recognizing, on the other hand, yeah, I see that is not the right way to treat women, and I'm growing, and I, I, I'm asking 
for grace to overcome this, okay, we're moving in the right direction. Wendy, what are your thoughts here? Am I, am I, am I, first of all, am I addressing her specific question and as she's asked it? I really think you are. And I, I, it's hard to get at those kind of nuanced things where there is something hopeful and potentially a work of grace going on and yet still reason for concern. And yet it's kind of our historical condition. This is isn't our it? condition. <laughs> there were major reasons for concern when Wendy was dating me. Let me just put it that way. Right. And so there's, there's, um, yeah, just a, a little difficulty in kind of getting into those intricate places of a human journey to acknowledge that, that, um, grace is going to point out our failings and yet it may not be you know some kind of major conversion that causes a major change all at once there can be gradual workings in our hearts so all of that is is difficult to speak about and i'm grateful to our listener for naming some of those things in her concerns and i she brought up something about social media oh yeah Right. And I think that's a great thing to really look at in a relationship. Oh, share your your <laughs> thing with Instagram. You're just pointing this out yeah, to me the other day. I did because I recently joined Instagram to as just to follow some other people that I know and wanted to see what they were posting on Instagram. Um, and one day I just opened Instagram and it said I was all caught up on the few people that I followed, and I just scrolled down thinking, I don't know how Instagram app works. What's down on the screen from here? And I was so surprised and shocked and pained to see that this is going to sound so innocent, but I just didn't know that people put on their Instagram, these seductive images of themselves, you know, to really sexy poses and hardly enough clothes on and just things that are troubling. And it was news to me. That was just my innocence. And, um, you know, there it is. So I, it does give me a little bit more to say about the thought of, of social media and um, how it impacts a relationship. I think it's a great conversation to have. And I absolutely think that um, it in any Christian's life, you have to be careful about what you're viewing on social media, what it's trying to appeal to in our hearts and the direction it's guiding our desires. I think absolutely it could be good for a couple to agree not to follow on social media people that are posting things that are contrary to our, you know, our call as human beings to love one another and to treat one another with dignity. So I think that's a great issue to be discussed and valid concern. Something I will often say to women who come to me and I'm thinking of times I'm signing books after an event or something and people come to me with their questions and, you know, how can I find a man who will love me? And I will look these women in the eye and I will say, you are worth the real deal. Don't settle for a man who is not committed to the journey of learning what it means to love you rightly. And that's really all a woman can really ask for, that the man be committed to the journey. There's no man who's going to love you perfectly other than Jesus. 
There is no man who is not going to struggle with his own fallen humanity in loving you rightly. But at a minimum, at a minimum, the man should be committed to the journey of purification and learning what it means to love. If he's justifying unlove, if he's justifying his lusts uh, and, and not interested in, in growing, in purification, in recognizing, oh my gosh, I, I need to learn more what it means to love, uh, or, or there's no potential there, then, then that's not the man to, to pursue. And I'll say to these women, you will be happier your whole life remaining single than settling for a guy who's not committed to the long haul of purification and growth. Um, Can I just say there, yeah. the same is true for men. Absolutely. Do not other, other settle for a woman who's not committed to that journey, who's not willing to sacrifice, who's not willing to learn what it means to be a man and how she can love you as a man. That is not something we're just born with. We're perfectly skilled. We're going to get it right. We need to go on that journey as well. Amen. And such suffering comes for men as well who settle for something less. Amen. Yes, it is true. It is true. Lord, help us. Help us. It ain't easy being human, but there is grace to meet us right in those places where we need it the most. Come, Lord Jesus, with your life, with your hope, with your redemptive power. Show us. Show us how to love. Amen. Amen. This is a question from a listener named Megan. I've heard of many connections between Mary and Islam. One example is the crescent moon being the symbol for Islam and Our Lady of Guadalupe standing on a crescent moon. I've also read that the word Guadalupe has Arabic roots. Another example is Fatima was the name of one of Muhammad's daughters, and Mary revealed herself to the children in the town of Fatima. I see these connections as a way that Mary is trying to draw Muslims to her son. What do you think about these connections? Do you know of any others? Megan, you're putting your finger on something very, very important here. Uh, I am not super knowledgeable about this, although I've, I've kind of dabbled in it because I've, I've made these very same connections that you're pointing out. Uh, at a minimum, I think you're, you're spot on in saying it is an indication of Mary's love for the Muslim people and a reaching out. Um, and I, I would say this just by way of clarification, it's a love for the Muslim people, uh, not in their errors, but in a desire to bring them to the fullness of the truth. Uh, I've been especially intrigued because I, I have a, a fascination with Fatima, because it's intimately connected with the theology of the body. And if you want to understand that connection, you might want to pick up my little booklet called Eclipse of the Body. And we'll put a link in the show notes to that book. Uh, the subtitle of that little booklet is called How We Lost the Meaning of Sex, Marriage, Family, and Gender, and How to Reclaim It. Um, 
and I, I tell the story of the three secrets of Fatima and uh, how Mary predicted the craziness we're living through right now with the collapse of the meaning of marriage and family and sex and gender and how the theology of the body plays its role in the triumph of the Immaculate Heart. So check out that little booklet, booklet if you want to get more into my understanding of all that. But because of my fascination with Our Lady of Fatima, I have found it most intriguing that Fatima, the town, was named after one of Muhammad's daughters. There's something going on here. There's something very profound. Somehow, I don't know how, but somehow uh, the Muslim people will be given some kind of chance to encounter Christ um, and come into the fullness of faith. I think Mary's up to that. That's kind of what she does. She wants mm. to bring Jesus to people. It's so true. So I, I, yeah, Megan, I don't know that I can say much more than that, but you're, you're onto something very important and profound for sure. And I think it's just helpful to be clear as you were that Mary loves the people and wants to draw them to her son. So, um, just that sense of we're all called to align ourselves in our prayer and intercession with the heart of God and the heart of God that desires all people to be drawn together into the truth and the gift of our redemption in Jesus Christ. So all these connections that you're seeing are should inspire just your prayer for the Muslim people and also a, a certain awe and reverence that what we can see in this world is not all that is. You know, that sense of their bigger things, there are important things, that Mary is in heaven, our mother, but she's active in the lives of people, that the Holy Spirit is moving throughout the world, and that sense of just reverence, it's not only what we can see that is reality. In fact, in our hearts, we need to hold on to this truth. The most real is that which lasts eternally, and that's not what we see in this world. It's what goes beyond and goes into eternity. So I, I just love that kind of sense of, am I seeing something real here? Yeah. Yeah, you are. Thank you, Lord, for that gift and that hope that that gives us in all kinds of circumstances, that the part that we see isn't the whole truth of the thing. So Thank you, everybody, for your questions. Keep them coming. And if you were blessed by anything you heard today and you know somebody who needs to be blessed as well, hit that share button. Thank you so much for being part of our listening audience. We're very blessed to be able to bring you this podcast. And it wouldn't do us any good to do it if there aren't listeners out there. So thanks <laughs> yes. for listening. Thank you. Remember, as always, that you are a gift. Become what you are. Ask Christopher West is brought to you by the Theology of the Body Institute with music by Mike Mangione. Christopher and Wendy hope that the information provided is helpful to you, but remind you that they are not licensed counselors. If you are going through serious difficulty, a list of trusted counselors and psychologists can be found in the show notes. Thank you.